Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books Institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. We have with us John Kleinick today. He is pastor in the Lutheran Church of Australia and retired lecturer at Australian Lutheran College. He's the author of many books, including Grace Upon Grace, Spirituality for Today. His new book is Wonderfully Made, A Protestant Theory of the Body. Welcome, Pastor Kleinick. It's good to be with you, Mark. Uh, where, 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 where that title come from? Well, okay. What made you choose that? Just, first of all, it's not theory of the body because it's anything but theory. Uh, it's theology of the body. Oh, actually, that, that, <laughs> God. Uh, it's the you know, kind of you, you know, you know what that is? That is me spending too goddamn, gosh darn much time with literary theory. So. <laughs> A Protestant like Theology of the Body. My apologies, sir. Okay. Yes. Um, the uh, uh, title, it's wonderfully made, A Protestant theo Theology of the Body. Uh, just the first part of it, um, uh, wonderfully made, is an uh, allusion to a, uh, a verse from Psalm 139, uh, where the psalmist says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And what's astonishing about this psalm is uh, it ponders on a paradox uh, that we don't see ourselves uh, at all, but only God sees us as we are, as we, uh, and he sees us uh, entirely from the womb to the tomb, if you like. Uh, uh, at best, we can only see part of ourselves. I can see myself in the mirror, but that's a distortion. Um, other people see my body um, uh, more clearly than I can see myself. In fact, in many ways, we can't see ourselves and we see ourselves only through other people uh, and through their eyes. But no one except God sees us fully, completely, entirely. Now, uh, the second part of the title, A Protestant Theology of the Body, um, is as um, uh, an allusion to uh, Pope John Paul's wonderful, wonderful work uh, on uh, the theology of the body. But it wasn't my choice. Uh, it's a marketing choice because it wanted to position the book and make it sound as if it, it's a counter to uh, John Paul's wonderful work. Um, it's not that at all. Um, uh, as you no doubt recognize from reading it, uh, it's in basic agreement with much of what uh, uh, Pope John Paul uh, has touched on. Um, but instead, uh, uh, but it's 
I, I claim it's broader than that because it's basically biblical. Um, uh, John Paul, there's much there that's apologetic, philosophical. There's some excellent biblical material. Um, but uh, uh, this gives a more complete picture, and uh, it's not at all uh, um, critical of that wonderful work. The title that I wanted to have was uh, wonderfully made on seeing our bodies as God sees them. Uh, because it's not so much a theology of the body, but uh, it's meant to uh, communicate a vision of the body. Uh, and, and not just human vision, but uh, uh, God's vision of us with our human bodies. You have another strong phrase there to go along with what you just said that, quote, Christian spirituality is embodied piety. W what do you mean by that? Well, um, for better or worse, the whole of our life is life in the body. Uh, it's something that despite all our uh, uh, fascination with the body and obsession with the body, we forget uh, 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 the, uh, from a human point of view, uh, uh, our, everything that we are is in the body, uh, from the moment of conception to the moment of death. But more importantly, and this is often forgotten, particularly in the West since the Enlightenment, is that our spiritual life has to do with the body from the beginning in baptism to the end of it, the goal of it, at the resurrection to eternal life. Um, if you like, the whole book is inspired by uh, Paul's wonderful little uh, sentence in Galatians chapter 2, he says, where he says, uh, I live and yet not I, but Christ lives in me or dwells in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Uh, uh, the life of faith is life in the body. And God interacts with us, um, uh, whether we are uh, unbelievers, pagans or Christians. God interacts with us in bodily terms, in physical terms. Um, because um, uh, so the whole of Christian spirituality or piety or whatever you like to uh, term you like to use has to do with uh, uh, living in the body um, and the life of faith, uh, which is life in the body. Yeah. Uh, non nonetheless, you say that our society is terribly confused about the body, uncertain of, as you put it, what to make of it? Why this confusion yeah. with something so obvious, so close to us? It's something that I really don't um, get, can't get my head around because on the one hand, we have uh, an obsession with the body and yet we, at the same time we have a unease and a dissatisfaction and even a contempt for the body. Um, it's a strange paradox, these two things together. And I think it is, um, theologically speaking, uh, a mark of uh, the fall, where we are no longer uh, at ease at home in our bodies. Uh, 
it's uh, the mark of an uneasy conscience. We are, um, we are no, <coughs> excuse me, we are not the people that we're meant to be. And we project that onto our bodies. So instead of dealing with the real issue, which is the spiritual issue, our standing with God and um, uh, uh, receiving a good, <coughs> a good conscience from him, we uh, uh, project it, if you like, uh, onto our bodies and we deal with our unease, our guilt, by dissociating ourselves from our bodies. But that's, that's my speculation. It's a strange paradox that on the one hand, we obsessed with the bodies, but in fact, it's not the real body. It's an ideal body. Um, uh, we worship the body beautiful, but none of us possesses the body beautiful. We fail to measure up to it. And that leads to a deep sense of dissatisfaction, which we see running through our culture. Um, just recently, uh, it's been highlighted. Uh, two facts have come to the notice of uh, analysts. On the one hand, uh, it used to be that many women, largely younger women, but also older women, were dissatisfied with their bodies. Now, men are equally dissatisfied. And given half a chance, they'd trade their bodies in for another uh, model. Uh, that's the one paradox, is the dissatisfaction with our actual bodies. Uh, and there's, uh, you know, hence makeup and dress and all that uh, pretense kind of stuff. And hence the selfies and um, uh, the touching up uh, and so on. But the other one, uh, thing that's been highlighted in recent times is the effect of, of, of uh, the internet and a Facebook and the devastating effect that it's having on young people, particularly girls, um, and uh, uh, their, their dissatisfaction with themselves, uh, not just their bodies, but their whole selves. Uh, they uh, want, uh, you know, the, the image that they have of themselves is entirely negative. And I've found that as a pastor, that that's most people. Um, of that negative view of our human bodies. And uh, what I want to do in the book, if you like, which was originally, uh, I was asked to write it, I won't go into the details, uh, I was originally asked to deal, uh, write a book on pornography, of all things. And I only accepted it if I, on the proviso that I didn't deal with it in isolation. But if I could deal with it, because as far in my pastoral work, and we must admit that pornography is something of a plague and has very, very negative effects uh, for uh, on people, and it's it's a plague in the church and Christians. Uh, but uh, in itself, it, it, it's not the problem; it's a symptom of the problem, and the symptom of the problem is that we are. Uh, if you like, hate ourselves, dislike ourselves, and we have a contempt for our bodies. And um, on the one hand, yet on the other hand, we have the craving for the body beautiful. Um, so I, I accepted it uh, uh, only on the proviso that I could deal with the whole issue of our uh, uh, body image. 
and seeing ourselves the way we see ourselves, um, because that comes into play most deeply in the whole issue of sexuality. Is there any greater assertion of the, well, well, the sexuality issue, God created man, male and female, first of all, right? Yes. And then the second point I'll make, let you comment upon this, is is there any greater assertion of the significance of the body than the incarnation itself? No. Um, there's three great assertions, if you like. It's the incarnation um, that's the heart of our Christian faith and uh, deals uh, with the whole issue of the body. And if we want to have uh, see the uh, way God sees us, we need to see ourselves in Christ and in the light of his um, incarnate humanity. Uh, that's the greatest assertion, but it's closely tied to the other assertion, which is uh, in some ways equally stupendous, is that God made us male and female. Uh, and th that's, those terms are bo refer both to sex and gender in his image. We are in his image, but the New Testament tells us that the image of God is his incarnate son, Jesus. So uh, being made in the image of God be, means being made um, in the likeness of uh, the incarnate Lord Jesus, the son of God. Uh, so that's the, if you like, the second lesser, but it, uh, great assertion but then another great assertion, which lies at the heart of uh, Orthodox Christianity, is that we will be re we are being already now being remade in the image of Christ, and at the resurrection, we will uh, bodily, if you like, fully uh, be in the image of Christ, yeah. glorified in Him. Another so, uh, and and a a reinforcement of that that you bring up is that when Jesus heals, it often involves the laying his hands on the bodies of those whom he does heal. Yes, because, um, uh, and this is something that um, not only Protestants, but uh, Westerners overlook in reading the Bible is uh, and hearing the story of Jesus, is that Jesus relates physically to people. Uh, 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 he uses body language. Uh, it's not just he lays hands on people who are sick, but there's many other cases of his bodily interaction with human beings. He doesn't um, deal with them uh, abstractly, or he doesn't deal with them intellectually, but physically, face to face. And he reaches out and touches them and he makes himself available to human beings so that they reach out and touch him. Um, uh, just uh, two eminent examples of this. Um, uh, there's a story about a woman with an uncontrolled menstrual bleeding uh, who um, shyly comes out and doesn't even dare to touch the body of Jesus, but comes from behind and touches his garment. And she's immediately healed. Uh, touch, uh, reaching out, touching um, the body of Jesus. 
Um, on the other hand, you have the story, uh, it's the year of Mark, and G uh, people bringing uh, babies to Jesus so that he would lay his hands on them and touch them. Uh, again and again, we have the references to um, uh, Jesus touching people, people touching Jesus, Jesus interacting physically with people. Um, it's that dimension, I reckon, has been lost in much of Western Christianity. Now, I've had lots of dealings and working in, particularly in Asia, in the mission field, and picking in animus cultures, um, and they get it there far uh, more than we do. And they can see that this is carried over to uh, uh, the worship service, the divine service, the mass, um, that it is uh, as much physical as it is uh, mental or intellectual. Something that should have been um, uh, driven home to us in the restrictions from COVID. Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. How would you like to see the body more fully incorporated into Christian worship? Um, I, I don't think it's something that we need to do because it's already there. At least in um, the, uh, the mainline church, if you like, the Orthodox Church, the small C Catholic Church, um, with its liturgy, uh, and with an accent on uh, the sacraments and on face-to-face -face ministry. Uh, if you like, uh, the, uh, it's not so much, the important thing is not so much talking about the body, because that doesn't help at all, but uh, uh, people uh, experiencing, if I can use that loaded term, uh, I won't unpack it, experiencing the incarnate presence of Jesus. And he is present in a physical, incarnate, not disincarnate way, in worship, from the beginning to the end. The interaction uh, is uh, bodily, physical. Uh, uh, people with each other, and people with Jesus, and through Jesus, with the Holy Spirit and God the Father. Yeah, you, um, you say, for instance, that baptism should be more explicitly understood in bodily terms as really a, a unification with Christ's body. Would that be an example? Oh, yes. And uh, uh, so we are united bodily, physically with Jesus in baptism, so much so that we share in his death, his burial, his resurrection. Um, there's a great exchange that occurs as a result of baptism. Jesus shares our human life and the whole of our human life from the womb to the tomb. He joins us physically and he uh, travels with us. 
He uh, shares our humanity so that we can share in his divine life. Um, that's the great exchange, the physical exchange in baptism. So baptism um, uh, is, in a sense, incomplete until the resurrection. Um, the, the, the sacrament itself, the enactment, occurs at one little moment in life. But like the life of marriage, it, it involves the whole of our life together with Jesus. So uh, you see it in uh, baptism and the place of baptism, the ongoing significance or operation of baptism in our lives. But I would claim that it's seen most evidently uh, in the Lord's Supper, where Jesus gives us his body and blood. Um, uh, it's The Lord's Supper is not an intellectual charade, uh, but is a physical uh, self-donation in which uh, Jesus gives himself bodily to us uh, so that we, in turn, can be give ourselves bodily to him and each other. When it comes to death you you put it this way we are not destined to become discarnate souls naked wraiths disembodied ghosts when we die nothing could be worse than that how will the body be thereby changed paul discusses that at great length in first corinthians 15 and uh 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 he emphasizes the fact that it's not our present bodies uh, or our bodies in the present form that we will share or we will have at the resurrection, but it's transformed in Christ. Um, so dying is not uh, uh, our physical death, is not embodiment, he says, but it is uh, getting dressed up, not undressing our bodies, but dressing up fully in the new uh, uh, new body, the renewed body, uh, uh, putting on uh, our true body, and we have that true body in Jesus. We are transformed, transfigured, glorified in him, uh, so that we will only see ourselves, that's, 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 that's um, the theme of the book, as we uh, are when we see him face to face, physically, in the resurrection of the body. What is the nature of Jesus' body when he returns? Uh, it's, uh, uh, his, uh, it's his glorified body. The teaching of the church is that Christ uh, didn't just take on a human body, um, uh, for a little while in those 33, year, uh, 33 years or so of his human life. And he doesn't just uh, have his human body for that little while, but he takes his humanity, his body, and this is amazing, into the uh, Godhead. Uh, it's incorporated into the divine life of the Holy Trinity. Um, uh, and uh, in that way, he prepares a place for us bodily, physically, in um, uh, 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 the life of God, in the being of God. And 
that means then uh, and and the uh the ret the uh, uh return of jesus which is it, uh, an, uh, a misleading term the the uh the uh, uh, the better translation of the words are the advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus at the end of the world, is his revelation, his apocalypse, his uncovering, uh, where he is revealed as uh, the Son of God, both human and divine, where his, if you like, his divinity is shown in human terms and his humanity is shown in divine terms. Um, so uh, Jesus will uh, show himself, reveal himself, and he will show us glorified, transfigured, transformed uh, in what him. Do, or what do contemporary funerals, popular funerals, reveal about what we believe, what our society casts, about our bodies? Yeah, I, I think there's uh, nothing that reveals people's attitude to their bodies more clearly than the fu funerals, not just modern funerals, but ancient funerals. The prevailing notion is that uh, 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 we, as it were, uh, put off or are released from the prison of our bodies and we become pure spiritual beings at death. And uh, uh, you can see that uh, in uh, the way funerals are done. Uh, they're not funerals anymore. They're celebrations of life. Um, and I don't know whether in the States you have the uh, funny new rituals which show this, uh, as we do here in Australia, of doves being released or balloons being released or uh, uh, to show the release of... Uh, uh, the spirit, whatever the people understand as the spirit, um, from the body. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so, uh, uh, but most clearly, it's shown by the fact that the uh, uh, whereas the early church uh, buried bodies, and in fact, uh, 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 cremation was not only frowned on, but in many places was actually forbidden. That was classical Catholic teaching and practice. So to I'm Lutheran, it was Lutheran teaching and practice. Uh, so most clearly, our attitude to our bodies, the vision that we have of the bodies, are shown by the fact that we prefer cremation uh, to the messy business of burying decaying bodies so that they decay fully in the ground. Um, uh, so that's where you see it most clearly. But on a countercultural point of view, uh, one of those powerful witnesses that we can give to our pagan neighbours is to do funerals properly uh, in a Christian way, which is both which both recognises the the um, uh, that, that death is our enemy, the final enemy. It's not friend, um, it's our enemy. Um, but also that uh, uh, with death then, uh, for those who are believers, the uh, body is prepared to pass uh, to immortal life. 
eternal life with God. So you can see that most clearly. It's interesting um, that the early Christians, particularly in Rome, held this so strongly that they used to um, gather the bodies of the derelicts that died in the streets and parks and give them a decent burial as a witness to the resurrection and as a witness to the incarnation. And more importantly, as a witness to the fact that this derelict person, this no-hoper that had died on the streets, was made in the image of God. Yeah. Your final sections, uh, before I should say the penultimate sections, go a lot into issues of sexuality. What do you think of this effort to disengage gender from, from, sexu from, from, from the body? The whole transgender well, movement. Well, it's 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 one attempt to dissociate the self, uh, the soul, from the body. Now, whereas the Christian teaching is that God made human beings in His image, male and female, He made them. Now, those terms are both sex and gender. So it refers to gender and sex, and that they're never separated in classical thinking. But uh, the distinction, not only the distinction, but the separation of gender from sex is part of a move for us to transcend our human bodies and somehow um, have an identity as self, uh, um, to have our souls apart from a physical life. Whether uh, you know, the sexual part of it is only uh, a small part of that, but it has to do with the dissociation of the soul, the self, from the body. Um, and the hope that in that way uh, we will somehow become, um, uh, 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 have our true selves, our authentic selves, and we'll find true fulfillment. Um, but the whole thing get, get, gets very tangled up because if you dissociate gender from sex, um, then uh, both gender and sex become problematic, and we can see that happening all around us. Indeed. Um, Indeed. Yeah, but that's a big, big topic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, and I would rather prefer not to go into negative mode, even in negative analytical mode, because I don't think that accomplishes a great deal. Um, uh, if I can um, have had any experience, it is if once people get a vision of uh, what life in the body really is and is meant to be, um, not in a made-up um, uh, fantasy, fantasy point of view, but in reality, a reality that takes the the, the uh, ugliness of life into account and the pain of uh, uh, broken bodies, the pain of abuse, sin and abuse, of sickness, dying and death, all those things into account. But a positive vision of the body uh, counteracts that. Um, it's a remarkable way. Um, if I can just give one case, and it's not uh, in this uh, 
a pastor of friend of mine told me about his work was working in a mental hospital and there was a uh, he had two remarkable cases within a short space of time one was a person who was uh, had suffered some from severe mental sickness um, uh, anxiety abuse but then also there was some traumatic stuff but once he uh, heard and believed in the resurrection of Jesus, all of a sudden, uh, uh, things changed for him. And he's now uh, 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 perfectly healed. Uh, uh, oh, look, I could give other cases, but that's um, uh, just one example. Instead of cursing the darkness, and there's not much darkness that surrounds us, it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. And that's what I try and do by uh, showing people how God sees our human bodies as made in his image, as redeemed in Christ and destined for eternal life uh, with him and his Father and the Holy Spirit. The book is Wonderfully Made, A Protestant Theology of the Body. Pastor Kleinick, thank you for joining us. It's a great joy to speak with you, Mark. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.